This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. This is Lieutenant R.J. Hicks from Mountstrom Air Force Base. When I need strength training advice, I go to Bob Whelan at webstrengthcoach.com. From Mind Force Radio, this is Natural Strength Night with Maximum Bob. On Natural Strength Night, we don't talk about the other things Bob likes to talk about. Tonight, we only talk strength training. When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something. He's here, the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. Tonight, our guest is David Sedinary. I have known David for over 15 years by email, phone, and Skype. He was very active on my old physical culture board. David has written several articles for naturalstrength.com and Hardgainer magazine. He has been a repeat client of mine at webstrengthcoach.com and is one of the most dedicated guys I know. David is from Broken Hill, New South Wales, Australia. He's had a lifetime love of strength training since the age of 15. He was obsessed with getting bigger, stronger, and gaining muscle. His first set of weights were homemade. They were made from ice cream tins filled with concrete. They had a one-inch hole in the middle to fit a broomstick. He used mainly this for his training for two whole years till he got his first set of weights at age 17. David's training foundation grew from reading Strength and Health and Perry Rader's Iron Man magazine till Perry sold the magazine. David wrote to Perry Rader in 1983, and Perry kindly wrote back, and David still has the letter and cherishes it. David became a big fan of Hardgainer magazine and has every issue. He has an extensive background in self-defense. He uses the principles taught by Bradley J. Steiner's American Combato. David traveled to Seattle and visited Brad a few years back, and we're going to talk about that later on the show. David is somewhat of a legend in the sport of Australian rules football, also called Aussie rules football. David has spent close to 50 years in the sport as a player, coach, and league commissioner. He has won numerous awards. He'll be filling us in on that later. David was a pioneer and leader in changing the views of strength training for Aussie rules football. David, it's great to have you on the show, and welcome to Natural Strength Night. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Thanks for having me on on the show, and um, and welcome to all your American listeners. It's more like Natural Strength Morning where you are. It's Friday night here in Florida, and it's probably uh, late morning on Saturday in Australia, right? Yeah, it is. It's 11 a.m. or 5 past 11 here in Australia. Before we get started with the training questions... Give us the best way for people to find you online, like your email or your website. The best way for people to get me is uh, just to email me uh, David Sednary, which is D-A-V-I-D-S-E-D-U-N-A-R-Y at bigpond.com. Uh, that's, that's the best way to get me. They can email me. And I'm going to, I did have a website, Bob, and uh, it was quite productive, you know, and uh, very similar to yours, but not, but not nowhere near as good as yours and, and, and comprehensive as yours, but uh, it got hacked, and, and I've got to renew that. But that, that email address, davidsednary at bigpond.com, is, is the best way to contact me at this stage. Tell us where you were born and your, your early background and how you got started in strength training. Yeah, I was born in Broken Hill, New South Wales, Australia. Uh, Broken Hill is about 135 year old. It's a mining town. It was one of the 
largest uh, and biggest producers of silver, lead and zinc in the world. They had a population in the late 60s and early 70s of 35,000 people, but since the mining industry has, has dwindled, um, the population is down about 18,000 people at this particular stage. But the mines are still going strong, and it's incredible that mines can go for so long. They're still mining silver, lead and zinc here in Broken Hill. Yeah, I was born here and raised here. Uh, I, I did leave, uh, I'd done an apprenticeship on one of the mines as an electrical fitter, and they had a policy that um, when you uh, finish your trade, which was four years, they put you off. And I didn't want to leave Broken Hill, and I left Broken Hill. And I went to, I went to Adelaide for two years and uh, played Aussie Rules. And then I, um, I went to Alice Springs and Pine Gap, and Bob, you, you would know all about this. Uh, I worked at... Uh, the Pine Gap Base in Alice Springs, which is a dual base between America and Australia, Pine Gap uh, tracking station there in Alice Springs. And I worked there for, for two and a half years, played Australian rules up there, got married, and I came back to Broken Hill in 1977. And I've been living in Broken Hill since 1977. And how did you get started with the strength training? Well, I've always been, had this internal drive and... and my mother, my mother was a, a small lady, a fantastic person. She was only just five foot tall. My dad was six feet tall, and my dad, my dad was in the Second World War and he'd been to New Guinea and overseas with, with the army. And he was a physical education trainer in the army, as well as a soldier, of course, and and, and a boxer. And he was a professional boxer and had twenty professional fights. Um, and I think his influence got me going, but I just had this, because I was a thin bone person and with an inch, uh, seven inch wrist and a leanish sort of person, I always wanted to get bigger and stronger. I just had this internal drive. I wasn't really driven by other people, but I had this internal drive that I always wanted to be as big and strong as I possibly could. And, and uh, I remember at school, in those days, Bob, when I went to high school, there was a you'd done physical education, you know, and part of that was Olympic lifting and weightlifting. And, and, of course, it's a no-no to do that now in case people get injured. But I, I was um, I was really excited about having a go at that. And, and one of our physical education teachers was an ex-Olympic lifter. And I got going a little bit in that. Then I decided to do my own stuff. I sent away for an expander set. Uh, I got that. I used those for a little while. Uh, there was a spring that I bought, a big long spring, and I used to bend that around and around and back and forth. <laughs> so I think it was a weeder <laughs> spring. And I got that sent to me from America. I don't know if you can recall those. It was a big long spring with, with the handles on either end. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I used that, and then I didn't have any weights. And so I decided to make my own out of Mum's ex ice cream tins. Uh, put a, a, a stick through the middle of them and um, a hole in the middle, and I, I was using those as, you know, doing uh, bench presses and uh, curls and presses and putting them on my back and, and doing squats. <laughs> and where we lived, we had a little veranda type of thing, and, and that's where I trained. And, and then, lo and behold, um, a, a fellow uh, across the road from me, he had a set of weights that he didn't no longer need, so he gave them to me, and I've still got them, you know, after of the age of 16, so they're nearly, uh, you know, 40, they're 49 year old, and and I used those, and other lads got interested, even going back in then, and I, I can remember that um, I had a little gym going, and, and there was uh, footballers at that stage coming around using my gym, there were about four or five of us, and I had little ads on the wall, and lads, I remember a lad who, he was uh, worked in a, in a wood yard, and, and I, I wrote on the wall in chalk advertising his wood yard you know, because he trained at my <laughs> my small gym. So even at that stage, I just had this just this drive to um to do to do weight training, and it took a while. You know, it took a while for me to get a little bit stronger, but it, but it gradually happened, and uh, yeah, I just went from there, and then uh, gradually, uh, you know, my dad was able to afford some equipment, and I was able to afford some equipment, and. Uh, and, and eventually built my, my weights up and to, uh, to what I've got at this particular stage. But, yeah, I just had this drive to get bigger and stronger. And I knew that, that, that within my capacity, with my bone structure, that, you know, I was able to, to lift a certain... And I wasn't going to be a, a super strong power lifter like Bill Casmir or someone like that, you know. But, but I knew that right. there was a limit to what I could do, and uh, that's what I did. 
Yeah, so we're talking like 60s time frame when you grew up, right? Yeah, yeah, that, I was born in, in 19, the end of 1951, so we're talking, you know, uh, in, in, in the late, in the 60s, yeah, in, in, the, in the early 70s. I suppose um, when I started to, to play Australian Rules, uh, uh, I got into it more, more than what I did before and uh, uh, because I knew it was a great benefit for, for Australian Rules uh, to, be, to right. be strong, you know. I know back when we were growing up, I mean, it was a lot harder to get good advice and uh, there was not very many good gyms and there weren't very many people who encouraged you to do weight training. Like, who influenced you the most with weight training when you were, you know, first getting started? I think the most the, the person influenced me the most uh, in, in the early days when I can recall being, you know, more so dedicated was Bradley J. Steiner. Um, there, there was a bookstore in um, a bookstore in Adelaide, uh, capital city of South Australia, that had a lot of his books, and, and I bought a lot of Bradley J. Steiner's books. And then, of course, uh, he, he influenced me when I started to buy Perry Raider's magazine, Iron Man. And yep. when I read, uh, and he used to edit, uh, edit most of, well, he was edit, editor of most of the, the articles uh, in, in, in Perry Raider's uh, magazine, Bradley J. Steiner, and his his writing influenced me. Um, there was, uh, then there was Stuart McRoberts that wrote in, in, um, in Perry Raider's magazine as well. Uh, I suppose the early influence more so was Bradley J. Steiner. Uh, that was the early one. Then there was uh, Stuart McRobert. And then, of course, when I got a Hard Gainer magazine and, and started buying that, and uh, when Perry Raider's magazine went over to um, another person, and it just uh, it didn't interest me, you know, to buy that. And it was a godsend that, that uh, the magazine Hard Gainer came out. And then, of course, there was uh, John Christie and yourself, uh, they were influenced uh, early, early articles by Brook Cubic, uh, Brooks Cubic, uh, but mostly I would say um, the biggest influence was Bradley J. Steiner, Stuart McRobert, uh, the writings of yourself, um, and uh, and John Christie. You know, God bless his soul. You know, he's, he passed away, John Christie. But I, I corresponded with John Christie before I did with you, Bob. You know, I, I found him a very interesting person, a very helpful person. Who influenced you the most with your? Uh... Self-defense. I'm pretty sure it was the same person, Bradley J. Steiner, for both self-defense and weight training, right? Yeah. Well, in my early days, um, uh, as, as, as long back as I can remember, my dad, we had boxing gloves in our house, and me and my brother, who was uh, approximately three years younger than me, we, we would always be putting boxing exhibitions on for people to come into our homes. And I can remember my dad spreading all the furniture out in the lounge room and me and my brother would put the gloves on and there'd be the little crowd around and we'd put a performance on. And then we'd, we'd start boxing up and down in our sleep out um, and uh, we'd miss sometimes and break some of the louvers <laughs> in the sleep out, you know, and Dad would come home and he would say, Mum would say, wait till your father comes home. And, and Dad would say, that's no worries, we'll replace them. As long as they never hurt themselves, they're having fun and learning. So he was pretty good that way and... Uh, we used to get a lot of mischief, a lot of mischief for my brother and I. I suppose that my dad started me, but there was a boxing coach in Broken Hill called Jimmy Johns who used to pick me up and my brother up uh, at the age of about 16, 17. And we used to go to a gym in town uh, owned by an old professional boxer. It was in a lane and it had the old Smith machines and, and, and some of the free weights. And it was an old style gym with a boxing ring in the middle, Bob. And uh, mm -hmm. we would go there twice a week, and we would train. And, and I'll forget, you know, how, how people were going back in, in the 60, late 60s and, and early 70s that a lot would smoke. And our boxing coach had a washing board stomach, and halfway through our workout, he'd say, David, I'm just going to get my breath back. And I'd say to Jimmy, what are you going to do, Jimmy? So I'm just going to have a smoke. So he'd light up a cigarette <laughs> in the gym and have a smoke. That's, right. You know, that was the norm. I never argued with him. I said, right, so he's right. Then we'd get back into it again and, and do the remainder. And then after that, we'd go downtown and have a big milkshake and replenish what we'd burnt, you know, replenish what we'd burnt. And, and that was a great day. So Jimmy Dons, he died, uh, he died this year, and he was an influence upon me and a great help and never charged me, just come and pick me up. And so I, I learned from that. And, and then, and my father as well, and I've always practiced, I've always done my strength training, uh, always mostly twice a week. And then after, I would do five to ten minutes practicing boxing on punching bag. That, that was always 
part of my heart one workout or I'd skip. Um, but then, I, in, eight years ago, nearly nine years ago, uh, this may, uh, next May coming, I emailed Bradley J. Steiner and I was quite interested in his form of self-defence because I knew that I wanted a true form of self-defence. I wasn't interested in karate or taekwondo. It was uh, they're more sport-orientated and boxing as well. But um, boxing gave me the, the leg in, so to speak. And so I emailed Bradley J. Steiner and that I was interested in learning his style. And he said, uh, in his email, he said, no worries, David. He said, I can, I can help you via email. He said, the first thing is I suggest these following books, which um, I have them. Uh, so I, I bought the books that, that, that Brad suggested, and I studied those books. And then I, I wrote the my same own thing. program. He gave me about 10 or 12 World War II era books, and they're some yeah, of the best true. books you can possibly read. Exactly, you know, and as he said, they they, they worked uh, well, they worked in the Second World War, uh, and and, um, and self defence in the streets uh, is like war in like war or going to battle in microism. So uh, they did work, you know. And the books were I've still got them here. You know, Get Tough by by Fairburn, and you, know, you have them too, Bob. Um, Kill or, be, or get killed by by Rex Applegate, Cold Steel right. by John Styers. Uh, you know, so I read them and studied those, and and then I practiced, and and then we he kept conversing with me by email. Uh, fantastic person, you know, to do this for me, and I practiced, and uh, uh, then I uh, I wrote my own uh, training program, which I sent him, and I learned how to use you know use uh, self defense with the walking stick and the knife and and, and the short stick, uh, and then. Uh, yeah, so he, he influenced me greatly, and then I just kept reading his books. And and I think I remember you writing once that if you're ever down and you felt like a lifter, you just read one of Bradley J. Steiner's articles, and it lifts right. you and encourages you to get it back out into the gym and do something. And uh, yeah, and your articles come across the same way to me as well. So that 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 is a, an influence. That was a great influence to me, Bradley J. Steiner, with with self defence, and still is. Right. Tell us a little bit about your father. He sounds like a great man. You said he was a physical education instructor in the military in World War II, right? And he was a boxer, and he taught you how to box. Tell us about some of the early lessons he gave you. Like, when did he start you with boxing training? Yeah, well, it was funny, funny in some respect, because I'm sitting in my office, and I've got my father with his World War II uniform on, and my grandfather's next to him with his World War I uniform on. And uh, yeah, my father, when I was 16, uh, even though he, he taught us when we were young kids to box, uh, my father was a, a, a tall man, you know, six feet tall, and, and he used to fight at nine and a half stone. And his mother, his mother's name was Walker. So he used to fight under the name of the Phantom, because I think the Phantom's name was Walker. Can you remember the Phantom, the comics The Phantom? I don't really, I, I'm not really big into yeah. comics. <laughs> well, anyway, so he, he took that name called the Phantom. And in Broken Hill, after the Second World War, a lot of the men uh, worked on the mines, but they never earned a lot of money. But when they had, went down the quadrangle, as it was called, they used to go into pro fighting. So they would earn a night of a fight more money than they'd earn in a week's work. So a lot of them fought down there. And there was boxers that come from all over the world that come to fight in Broken Hill. So he he was a boxer there and um, in the army and also out of the army he had twenty professional fights. So and he was a a quiet man and he wouldn't push himself on you unless you asked him. And uh, when I was about um, fifteen or sixteen, when I decided to to learn boxing off of uh, this local trainer called Jim Johns, um, my dad said to me, "Why didn't you ask me, son?" And I said, "What, what do you mean, Dad?" And he said, "Well." I had 20 professional fights in the army. I said, well, I didn't know that. You never told me that. Because you know, I never spoke about the war much And when they come back from the Second World War. And so then I learned not only from my, my father, but from also my, uh, my, my boxing coach, Jimmy John. So, but my dad, uh, my, Jimmy John hadn't had professional fights. He was only a trainer, but my father had. So I learned a lot from my father. And, and, and later on, when my, when my father was in his 70s, I had a small gym. Uh, for 21 years, in, in um, where well, I first lived in Broken Hill, and I taught uh, strength training there and, and a bit of boxing, and then to give my dad, my dad a few um, 
few dollars and also an interest uh, to keep himself active, he would do boxing training with some of the younger players in this backyard gym that I had. And yeah, so yeah, so he he, he got me started, but he, he was a quiet quiet man who you had to ask him. He wouldn't push himself forward upon me. But he he was a man that. Bob, you know, been in the war, I never heard him swear, never said F or never said C and would pick people up if they swore in front of women and, yeah, I never heard him swear and he said, uh, yeah, I can always pick better words to say than an F or a C, so I admired him for that. Tell us about that great trip you had to Seattle when you trained under Brad. I emailed Brad and I said, is anybody in Australia, you know, a bit of a nutcase like me that <laughs> loves his weight training? I've always loved group training and, and self-defence because yeah, there's not many people in Australia I can sit and talk to like yourself about what I do that has done the same as, as what I have to a certain degree. And, and um, he said, yes, there is, David. There's a, a fellow in Adelaide, which is 500 kilometres, 305 miles from here. His name is Michael Nicholson and he's a black belt and his son, the same as you, and I said, well, I'm not a black belt in, in, in martial arts, but bo- boxing's my background, and he said, um, maybe you contact him. So Brad contacted him, and Michael said, yeah, fine, you know, you can contact me. So I emailed Michael, and I rang him, and Bob, it was incredible, you know, this bloke was like a long-lost brother to me. I only knew him for three years, and he'd been to Seattle and trained under Bradley J. Steiner, him and his son, they were over there for two weeks, and we were planning a trip together to go over there in May 2014. But unfortunately, Michael, who was a, a little super strong man, um, Superman, you know, he got leukaemia and uh, and he died of leukaemia at the age of uh, 57. So you know, I solely missed him, you know, and we would talk for hours on the phone about our strength training and our grip training. And he was a clone of me. He had all Buddy Stoner's books, maybe more than what I had. He had um, a lot of your. Uh, he had your Iron Nation book. He, he had a, a fantastic array of books on all different types of subjects related to well, collectors' items, to, to karate, strength training, grip training. He corresponded with uh, uh, books cubic. He corresponded with uh, people, uh, different people on, on, on grip training uh, all over the world, Michael and. Uh, he died, so we'd planned the trip. So then, of course, uh, I said, oh, I'm going to have to go. Well, his son pulled out, so I went over. I've never been overseas before in my life, and here's me heading off, and I booked my accommodation in Seattle and, and had my my training book with Brad. Uh, that, that was uh, 12 uh, one-on-one training sessions uh, with Bradley J. Steiner, and and then uh, he allowed me to go into his classes. So in one, one particular day when, when I uh, went to Seattle and trained, I was training uh, three one-hourly sessions a day, which was quite quite strenuous. Uh, three one-hour sessions in one day? Yeah, well, some days, yeah. I'd have an hour with him, and then I'd come back. Uh, he'd time it, so we had a his personal training session with him from they weren't super strenuous it was an educational thing for me plus plus training but then oh, okay. i would train w- with brad from say 10 to 11 and then from and we'd sit and talk and then from 12 o'clock to one o'clock he'd have a training session with, under his house with maybe three or four of his students and then i would come back in the afternoon from six o'clock to seven at night uh, that that wasn't every day. Some days it would be two of those, or just one one personal training session. So all up, I trained at least uh, with Brad uh, 22 times. I think I did. You know, it was it was fantastic over that two week period. I'd never heard a, a trainer or a coach like Brad so influential, so getting into your mind and getting you focused and committed to what you were doing. Uh, when I trained with Brad. Uh, he would um, he would sit stand up in the corner. Uh, you know he introduced me to to his students who who were, who were fantastic and very helpful to me. Uh, normally in his his little training area there, there was uh, you know there was room for most probably about a half a dozen students. I never forget one time there there was only me and one of his students, and he's got a fantastic sense of humour, and he kept saying, "Be careful." You don't bump into each other. I know you're squashed for room, and I couldn't stop laughing, you know, because he was being uh, sarcastic, you know, because there was only me and this other student there. But uh, he would get into our heads, and he used a lot of uh, 
because he's a, he's a, he's a licensed hypnotherapist and has been for, for nearly 30 years and he would get into your head first relating to different situations that happened in America and how important it was for you to practice and learn self-defense and, and, and saying basically that um, don't think that uh, it might happen to you, think that it will happen to you and and uh, I, I can do something about this, think that I will do something about this. Uh, so those sort of things you, you got into your head and then, then you do your, your, your practice, your session, and then you'd have a, a, a small rest where he would talk to you again, influence you in the mind, and then away you go again. So he, he got you totally focused. I'd, I taped all the sessions I had with Brad, Bob, and I've still got them home here, and I listen to them quite often. And one of his students sent me extra sessions as well. And um, and I had I had a hypnotherapy session with Brad, and, and I thought it was fantastic. You know, and quite often I replay that. And uh, and we and we sat and, and chewed the fat, so to speak, about weight training and life in general, and his feelings on life. And yeah, one wonderful man. And. Uh, very helpful man, and uh, he was he was a huge influence upon my self defence. And I still email him. I, I read his articles on um, uh, AmericanCombatter.com and Seattle Combatives. Uh, I read those quite often, and uh, and of course he sword and pen on on his side as well. He influenced me a lot too, and I mean, whenever anyone talks about self defence, I mean, Brad's the man for strength training too. Uh, he is, you know, and uh, he still strength trains three days a week and. Uh, we spoke about that, and he trains upstairs. He's got his own gym. I've never seen his gym, but he still squats and, and he deadlifts. He, do, he does the basics. Everything he says about in his in his book that he rejuvenated his his book, um, he does. You know, and uh, he's a he's a great he's a great follower of of, of what he what he says. Uh, he does. You know, he's complete guide to effective barbell training. Bob, you have that. Yep, and he, I he's do. I have. I have a lot of his books for strength training, you know, as well as martial arts, or I should say self-defense. No, yeah, self-defense, yeah. But, um, yeah, I'd love to go back again and train. And, and the last words he said to me, and I taped you, I, I taped his last session, as I did with every session that I had with him, is, uh, uh, thank you, Dave, for coming uh, all this way from Australia to train under me. And he said... Gee, I hope you can carry a gun when you go back to Australia. <laughs> because we know you can't. You? <laughs> he just kept going over there. I hope you can carry a gun. Because I got a lesson in, in uh, you know, uh, his personal lessons were you know, the walking stick, um, the short stick, um, the knife, you know, which I practice, uh, and, and also the handgun. So he, he gave me a, a, a practice, an hourly session in how to use the handgun, which I've, I've never used a handgun before, but we didn't fire any live rounds, but just basically had a combat shoot, etc. And, and of course, you know, right. it, it, a lot of people don't know it. Uh, yeah, John Howard, our ex-Prime Minister, we had a massacre here. There was about 30 people massacred by a person with an assault weapon. And uh, since that day, he's just, everybody has to hand in, hand in their guns and you have to have a license for a gun and have to be right. locked away in a cupboard, ammunition in one and also in the other, yeah. I just got my concealed carry license a few weeks ago. Oh, that's good. So you're able to uh, you're able to carry. I know I went out to, for lunch with uh, two of Brad's students in Seattle, and and because they were they were carrying, and uh, um, as they do in, in Seattle, and because that was one of the reasons why Brad left uh, New York City because it, it got quite violent, and and I think in New York City, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob. Um, that uh, you're not allowed to carry a firearm in New York City, are you? There are certain states where they're almost like communists, but I used to live in them. Massachusetts, Washington, D.C., New York. It's like two separate countries, you know. <laughs> but if you live in the part yeah. like where I live or Texas or most of the South and West, it's a lot different. We'll be back with more right after this. This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com. Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling Enlarginine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. 
It is also the top-selling product at vitalnutritionstore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elward, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com. Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor, Osmo Kihaw, describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real-world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach? Just like all the celebrities do. Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of WebStrengthCoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website webstrengthcoach.com he will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs a program right for you bob will give you feedback after every workout this is old school fitness and nutrition no fads and no gimmicks bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied so visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let bob help you reach your best self webstrengthcoach.com Do you enjoy history without social engineering? Reading about our founding fathers? Economics from a capitalist perspective? Wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old-time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good, Honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen. To maximize your natural muscular and strength potential, please visit physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation. A masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, Iron Game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. 
Order now at ironnation.com. That's I R O N nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on Mindforce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30 or 60 second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on mindforceradio.com. You're listening to Natural Strength Night on Mindforce Radio. you describe the basics of your own training philosophy well you hit the you got the right word basics so I, I do I, I sort of like the basics uh, they react better with me as uh, the squat um, the deadlift I'm a person that when uh, I was younger uh, uh, that I, um, I could only train twice a week I found that I was more productive when I trained uh, for example um, a horizontal push and a horizontal pull and a compound, compound leg and back exercise. So, for example, I'll do the bench press, I'll do the, the dumbbell row, and then I'll do the trap bar deadlift and some waist work and neck work, and that was it. And in the next workout, I would do the overhead press, lap machine pull down, and a squat. And waist work, side bend crunch. And, and that's... And I, and if I tried any more than that, Bob, if I tried three days a week or if I tried higher volume, I just went nowhere. I could see my body just not uh, developing, going backwards. I felt tired. Mm-hmm. I gained more. And I'll never forget one program i done. Uh, it was the overhead press and the dumbbell row um, and, and the squat. And I was into high rep squats nearly all my life. Just recently, I've, I've got to uh, you know lower reps, lower rep uh, trap bar deadlifts, fives and sixes. But and I didn't do any curls, and my arms grew, you know, to nearly 17 inches, you know. And I thought that was fantastic. So it just proved to me that I was a person that the less I done, the more I gained. So I've kept up that philosophy. And uh, and there was one particular program that I read in one of Billy Joe Steiner's. Um, Sword and pens. That try this for the summer break, and it was um, it was a dumbbell clean and press for mm-hmm. one set of five, and then drop the weight slightly and do as many as you could for a set of ten, whatever weight you use for a set of ten, and then do the squat, um, a set of set of five or six, and then drop the weight and do a set of ten, but don't have any rest, and the whole workout took uh, twelve minutes. And uh, and I gained about three kilos in that Christmas break. It was yeah, fantastic. Even my son said he, he awesome. gave me a massage. His, his dad looks like you've. And it was only about four years ago. He looks like you've grown. It was just those two exercises. Yeah. So I I I, I go back to the less the less I work, the less I train. But I train hard at them, you know. And uh, and now I because I've got a little bit of a degenerative left hip, I I no longer squat with a barbell. I squat with a power tech machine. But just recently, I've been using the trap bar deadlift with extended handles, and Mm -hmm. I find that very effective, and it it doesn't put a lot of stress on my hip, and it keeps my my legs strong and my buttocks strong. But, but yeah, but basically now, yeah, and I I learned this philosophy from you, is that um, a vertical press and a vertical pull one workout with the trap bar deadlift and a horizontal push and a horizontal pull. Uh, the other workout with the trap bar deadlift with waist, weight work, uh, waist work and neck work and, and grip work. So uh, right. that's my all-round workout. Mm. That's great. Hit the main muscle groups and train progressively and just do it for the rest of your life. It's like it's like brushing your teeth. It's like a uh, it's something you should always do. It's just something that's going to keep you healthy and young, and it's just a... It's it's great if you love to do it. We're lucky because we love doing it. Yeah, we do love doing it. And I, I mean, I have you know, I have little kinks and little twangs in my body, but I manage them okay. And, and being a remedial masseur, I trigger point my body, and that helps me. But I've got a 
in my my office here now, you know, that I that I trap on on the wall. I, I train for health and I train for for vigor and energy and, and I train for longevity and and to achieve the above, you know, I, I make sure I strength train. I train for self defence. I keep my body fat low and I maintain my cardiovascular fitness. Try to keep flexible and remain injury free and. And I think the most important, Bob, you know, is to continually try to keep your mind strong and be positive. And strength training just and, and self-defence gives me a huge lift. When I come out of the gym after I do those, and and uh, as you know, I, I've got a lot of stress in my life. It, it just lifts me as, as high as a kite, so to speak. You have played, administered and coached Australian rules football. Tell us about the journey. Yeah, well, I started playing Australian rules football in Broken Hill. At uh, I was kicking the football around, and uh, and of course Australian rules is played in America now. And and it was actually started by a local local lad who I knew who went to the same school as me. And I'm pretty sure his name's Peter O'Keefe, but I might be wrong with the first name. But his second name's O'Keefe. He married an American girl, and he was back in Australia just recently. And he started Australian rules football in America, and it's kicked off quite well now in America. And, I started about the age of 10. We would go down the local oval where our coaches would be waiting for us. It was early hours of the morning. Uh, we'd have to kick the dew and the frost off the oval because it was a winter sport. And we'd be kicking the footy around and the football would kick and hit. We'd get hit in the face and the nose and the coaches would rub us and, you know, encourage us to keep going. And then I went right through that. And um, I wasn't... I wasn't um, super talented as, as an Australian rules player, but I was very determined, and I knew that regardless of who my coach was, that I always wanted to do better than what I'd done previously. Um, so I was thin, I was lean, I knew I had to build my body up, so that even encouraged me even more to, to do strength training. So, yeah, I played. I, I, we play, we've got four teams here in Broken Hill, Australian rules teams, and as the years have gone on, of course, they've gone a bit weaker. But I played um, league, Australian league football for 14 seasons. Uh, I played about 250 league games, uh, Australian rules games. Uh, strength training was a great influence, uh, helping me become injury-free or preventing any injuries uh, during that period. Um, and I, I finished playing football in 1983, and I wanted to coach football, so I missed out on a coaching job of my club. So I went to another club where I was assistant coach at that club, and I coached the, the reserves. So it was the league and then the reserves. So I coached them for three years. I coached the reserves, and I'd sit on the bench, and I'd make the moves and coach the A's while the, the senior coach played on the field. Um, I left there in, in 19... 1989, um, and I went and um, coached the team that um, that I that I, um, I played for, called the West Broken Football Club, and I coached them in. So it was 88, 89, 90, 91. I coached them for four seasons. They hadn't won a game. Uh, they'd won two games in two years, and when I got there, I instilled a lot of discipline, hard work, mandatory strength training, mandatory boxing training. I was a bit of a pioneer going back. That's 27 years ago. No one else was doing it. And uh, wow, that's we great. won the first. Year, well, the first year we won four games, and then we won. Then we finished equal top the second year, and the third year we won a premiership. Yeah, and they haven't won a premiership for 27 years since I was the last that's premiership great. coach. Mm, so that that was my years of playing football. I represented the city in in, in football in Australian rules and. And then the next journey was that I, my father was dying of um, prostate cancer, so I, I knew she didn't help my father and used to take him to the football and he lost his eyesight and he loved football and Australian rules and and I used to broadcast a footy to him, you know, because he couldn't see and then I'd take him home. And, and uh, when my father died, then I, in 1999, I decided to go on the football league and put back some of the things that I got out of football. So I administrated and I was chairman of the Broken Hill Football League uh, for 12 years, or actually 13 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've done that for 13 years. And uh, I still help. I, I go and do uh, radio shows. We, we talk on, about the football on radio each Saturday night, uh, you know, just a, a post-report post of, the, of the match. And, uh, 
And now I've gone back to my old, old football club, the West Broken Hill Football Club, Bob, and uh, I've taken on their strength training. So it's a new adaption that we've got this year and with your help as well. Tell them how the program yeah, well, is doing. You know, the one the one that we just went over, what, about a month ago? Yeah. How is well, that coming along? Yeah, well, for the listeners, um, I rang Bob and we spoke, I spoke to Bob about, uh, because you've got a, lot of, a huge background in, in, in strength training with, with athletes and uh, I've got most um, be 40 athletes or 40 footballers out on out training, uh, doing their school work and endurance work. And then um, we, our club spent only three thousand dollars on equipment, uh, trap trap bars, squat squat machines, uh, free weights mostly, uh, lap machine pull down, dip bar, um, seated row. So it's going along well. So at this stage. We haven't got into the full season, but uh, at this stage I've had about 20 people go through the gym. Uh, I've put them through in groups of six, um, two people um, on each station, uh, so to speak, where one person will do a warm-up on a bench press. He'll do his hard set on his bench press and he'll immediately go and do a set of chin, so it's, uh, it's push-pull. The next person will do the same. He'll do a warm-up set, push hard set and go and do his chins. I'll have about a minute and a half, two minutes rest and they'll repeat it. Then they move on to dips and they'll do um, a, two, a set of dips uh, and then a set of um, lap, lap machine pull-downs and they'll repeat that and then they'll go over and do a trap bar deadlifts and they'll do a warm-up set and do um, a, a set of 10 rest, do some weight, uh, ab work and neck work and then repeat and do the second set of 10. Now the next workout's different, uh, the overhead press, a chin, uh, a dip and seated row and then they'll go and do their, their leverage squat and, and again work their neck and again work their, um, work their abs and, and that's the program. So on Monday it's program one and then on Friday it's program two and then when the season starts, which is in January the 8th, what will happen is that players will be rotated through, and I've got, on your advice, Bob, two people helping me, and I've, I keep record of what they lift and how many repetitions and how many sets they do, and at the end they, they make a comment of how their workout was, how, were they focused, did they progress, uh, how was their form, and, and we and we add That's weight great. to the next workout. If they, yeah, so it's going on good, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'll be corresponding with you and letting you know, you know, every few months of, of how it's going. But uh, I've had good response. I've, um, I've given them advice on diet, you know, because they've got to eat a lot. And uh, But, but it'll basically, and, you know, I, I read a lot of you know, hard gainer magazines of some of the strength coaches like yourself and others, Ken Lessner, and I get ideas from, from those, from you people, and uh, of how to do it. So the pre-season will be 14 weeks, and then the in-season will all drop everything back to... I'll, I'll just do, um, uh, well, it could be a bench press, a chin, and a trap bar deadlift, one hard set. So as when they get into the season where they're doing more skill work and match condition play, they'll still maintain their strength, if not improve it, but they won't be working as hard and as many exercises with the in-season. Tell us about the awards you've won in Aussie Rules Football. Yeah, well, I was fortunate to, uh, to win an AFL Merit Award. Uh, not many of these are handed out. It's just for for outstanding service to Australian football. And I received that award in 2010. Uh, that's from Australian Football League here in Australia. And, uh, and also received a Merit Award from South Australian National Football League uh, for uh, for long and valuable service to to the league and and, and our national game. So yeah, I was uh, I was quite um, excited about getting those awards and not many of them are handed out, you know, to people and and, and thrilled and you know and I thought it was a good thing and you don't expect it when you when you go in and do this this work for nothing and it went so quickly, you know, the, the 13 years I was involved and I still am involved but not on an administrative um, way that I was going back, uh, you know, for, for those years. How many years overall? I mean, if you're going to count your playing, your coaching, and your administering, add it all together. How many years have you devoted to the sport? Uh, Forty-nine years. Man, oh, half if a I century. If I, if, I, if I, yeah, well, so, I mean, I, I suppose I started playing as a ten-year-old, so I'm 65 uh, in a few days' time. So, yeah, well, you could say, um, 
yeah, 55, 55 years, couldn't you say? That I've been yeah, involved over, with Australian over 50 years. You spent so many years helping and developing that sport. Great job. Mm, thanks, Bob. Yeah, I love it, you know, and uh, it's just sort of... Um, it's an outlet for me, and uh, I think I'll continue doing it till the, till the day I die. You know, I'm so determined to to get our team up and and going. And I was just just such a, a firm believer in in weight training slash strength training for football for any, any contact sport. That how how much it does for you. You know, being involved. I've seen what I've done in in not going back in um, 85, 86, 87 when I had a gym in my backyard and most of my footballers would come and train in my gym. I think I only charged two dollars fifty for anyone under the age of eighteen and five dollars for an adult. That was one on one training. And and those play and going back then the players won two premierships. And when I coached in um, in uh, 88, 89, and 90. Uh, I, I pushed strength training, and that won us a premiership in in 19. We finished top in 1990. It was only the weight training and and the box. And, and my old boxing coach, though, they were made mandatory to do boxing as well, which, uh, as you know, uh, builds confidence uh, for physical contact boxing and excellent conditioner and fitness builder. But the weight training just uh, you know, increases confidence, it adds to your confidence and formulability. I reckon of all. Of all exercises, no matter the activity, uh, supreme health builder it improves your flexibility, you know, strengthens your joints and connective tissue, improves your speed, improves your balance and coordination, and your all-round physical toughness and hardywood. You know, it's just fantastic for sport. And, and you'd mentioned to me, Bob, you know, when I started strength training for footy, I'll slow you down. You'll get weaker. You'll have more injuries. You'll be pulling hamstrings. And, the biggest load of garbage going around. It had the opposite effect, you know. It, it, right. All those things I mentioned, weight training for sport, it just shone out. When you started training, it was probably around the same time I started training. That's when most people didn't train and most coaches didn't want you to train and they didn't know anything about strength training. And it's the exact opposite now. Yeah, well, going back in my time, yeah, I was a pioneer, so there was there was nobody doing strength training you know, when I when I played, uh, you know, there was there was very little. There, there was people wouldn't be using the weights. I managed to play at about 175 pounds, you know, and I could I, I was squatting a 280 pound for 20 reps, and I was benching 250 for six reps, and I was using 100 pound off my waist for dips uh, for a set of six, and that would be my consistent workout. Dumbbell rows with 120 pounds, you know, and that wasn't too bad at 175 pound person person playing Australian rules contact sport and, mm-hmm. and that, that was that were my mainstays that I used to use and then I'd trap our deadlift and the best I'd do was the 360 by 16 and and the, I wrote a small book to you just recently about how to improve your football and uh, it was only a you know a 15 or 20 page an article in our local football budget and I spoke about those things and I said to people well, I didn't say I could do it but I said when you've reached these goals and you're able to do this in your football Come and see me, and I'll take you out for lunch and share your big steak and salad. But no one's come forward. Um, I have noticed that there is a big change. But when when I was back playing, people would squat with a barbell. They would deadlift. They they would do good powerlifting movements, overhead press. Um, there wasn't a lot doing it, but the ones that did do it, uh, they benefit from it. So in 1977, um, a chap called Ron Barassi a great Australian coach. He introduced it at North Melbourne. He had his own strength coach, and North Melbourne won about three premierships in a row. It was mainly through strength training. And then other clubs got into it. So AFL clubs never got into it until about 1977. And then they've gradually got huge gyms now. It's mandatory for everybody to do strength training. They've got machines. They've got different exercises to do, separate ones to work your butt and... You know, uh, it, it is so much more complex now. Strength coaches are paid $250,000 a year to do, you know, to be a strength coach. And uh, the, the clubs are the strongest, are the one, uh, the players are the ones that survive. You know, you hear a coach saying, uh, used to do weight training, but now get the weights out the cupboard, it's time to get back into them. And, and the clubs that do that are the ones that do so well. Um, but, but you've still got the people that think, I had a young lad come to me the other night, and his father. I said, "Are you going to train?" And he said, 
oh, Dad doesn't want me to. And, and I said, why don't you want your son to train? Oh, he might get injured. I said, well, he went under my tutelage, you know, he'll do it correctly and oh, I might slow him down. So I had to explain to his father that it won't slow him down. It'll make him, he'll be, you know, he'll get less injuries. He'll be a better performer. So yeah, it has changed greatly. It's more scientific, I think, now, Bob, than what it was when we first started, you and I, with it. And, and I think it's mm-hmm. spoiled a little bit. When it's really, you know, for the shoulder girdle, there's nothing like the overhead press with your seat, with your standing. But now you've got, you know, different machines and uh, doing it. I suppose the machines are good, yes, uh, but uh, I still think the basics work, you know. You go back to um, some of the old-time strongmen that... And I love reading about them that, you know, could overhead press 300 pounds and at a body weight of 190 pounds and just through doing the overhead press, you know. <laughs> but there are some strong footballers around, you know. You go on the website and, and have a look at strong footballers in Australian rules in, in the league and, um, you know, there's fellows there that can bench press 360 and 400 and they squat, you know, 350 and 500 pounds. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, but, but they, all, they all do it and uh, it's so important. Yeah, it's come a long way. The examples you were given a lot were in the 70s, but I know when you were really young in the 60s, it was way worse. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you didn't do it. It slowed you down. It affected your heart. Yeah. No, I, would, I would never stop, you know. It's just, um, it's just in me, you know. It's, uh, my, my son's the same, you know. He's, he's got the strength training bug as well. He's a policeman, so it's good for him that he's doing that. But, uh, yeah, yep. it was... Uh, I was a, yeah, a pioneer, I suppose, going back 27 years ago, having strength training. But it's ironical that all the coaches that have gone after me have had no success, have never introduced or never used or encouraged strength training. And this coach that we've got at the moment is a total believer in my philosophy, and he's taking me on board to, to help. I don't get paid for I'm doing it for nothing, but i just got this firm belief that our players will do so much better or being strength trained, and if if they if they're committed and have total focus on it, you have a disabled son who suffers from severe myoclonic epilepsy since infancy, and you wrote a book about it too. How has your lifestyle helped you manage the stress of that for the last thirty three years? Bob, sometimes I think that um, way back, you know, when I was fifteen and. Uh, someone said to me, or well, I just said myself, I need to do strength training and self-defence. And it was all about preparing me for what I, the struggle I've had uh, since 1984, when my, my son was born, perfect baby, and was immunised against whooping cough, and and uh, I got whooping cough, and, and we found him in his bed, or in his cot, alongside of us at seven months of age, having an epileptic seizure, and I thought he was choking. And, that was the start of it, you know, and uh, 30, nearly 33 years later, it's still happening. He has um, epileptic seizures and uh, probably eight, eight to nine epileptic seizures every month, and he's got challenging behaviour, and it's been a godsend. Uh, my, my lifestyle, my training, uh, my diet, and, and when I was going through the early stages with uh, him having a lot of seizures in and out of hospitals and trying to look for medications to control those seizures. I looked at myself and I thought, have you, you know, have you survived this? How is your button not burst? And how are you not on antidepressants? And, you know, how have you survived it? And I looked at the, my lifestyle and the way I ate. I've always been a firm believer in eating correctly, even though I might have drink a wee bit more coffee than I should sometimes, maybe a few cups a day, but I'm not, I'm not a heavy drinker of alcohol. That's a depressant. But um, I don't smoke. I had a multi- I took a multivitamin, and I think it was it was my lifestyle of of weight training. Even at that stage, I'd have one good hard heavy workout a week, and and hitting a boxing bag, doing my boxing, and, and my self defence. It's it's pulled me through. I am a sure believer in that. That um, and I encourage people. And you know, I've had people come to me that have split up from marriages that come and train with me. So they they train in my gym, and they come back and tell me that. It helped them get through the, the traumas they had. And it, it, you're spot on, Bob. It's, uh, it's helped me. And, and then and then I wrote the book, and I had a friend around once, and I was doing some remedial massage, and he said, you know, you've got a lot of knowledge. Why don't you write a book and try to help and inspire other people? And so and I said, what do you think I should call the book? And he said, why don't you call it Struggling for Harmony with a Disabled Son? So I did, and I wrote it, and people can go... Um, 
on 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 just on the computer on on the internet and look up that struggling for harmony for disabled son and they can purchase it. You had a website for that book, as I put it on my website, um, what a year, a year or two ago. Is that website active? Yeah, it still is. Yes, you can just go on on the web and 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 look up and just type in struggling for harmony uh, with with a disabled son, and it'll come up. And yes, uh, it's still there. It's still active. Oh, okay, great. We have time for one more, David. You are 65 years young now. Tell us the differences in how you train now versus when you were younger. I concentrate on form. Um, I, I, I do my reps in a controlled manner. I don't lift as heavy. I use a, a few more machines, which are helpful. I try to stand on my feet if I can and do my curls and do my presses so that it helps my balance. Um, I don't uh, no longer barbell squat. I use a machine squat. Uh, I've kept my reps a bit lower, you know, between five and eight. I find that, and sometimes I go down to twos, uh, doubles. Um, yeah, I, I train once a week, Bob. I, I find that I keep getting pushed back to a full body workout once a week, one, sometimes twice every seven to ten days. Yep. Uh, that's been the difference. Um, I, I still try to keep my heart, lungs, um, you know, right with my training. I, I, I do some cardio on the bike and I do my um, my self-defence twice a week for 30 minutes, sometimes three. You know, I work reasonably hard at that. Uh, form, uh, I, I always try to keep challenging myself, Bob, you know, try to do a, another pound on the bar or say, did I do my reps in good style? Um, yeah, so I continually try to challenge myself to get better, but within my my range of, of age, 65, I know what I can do and what I can't do. Um, I suppose I, I try to eat as as well as I can. I, I have three large meals a day. I, I don't eat in between meals, and I, I feel so much better. My my stomach is leaner from not trying to you know eat every three or four hours as we, as we used to be told years ago. If I'm hungry between meals, I'll have some fruit and some nuts. But I've leaned up a bit, and I suppose that you know I hit around about 86. So I go between 185 pound to 190 pound, and the heaviest I've been is most probably 200 pound. But of late, I'm, I've, I've leaned up a little bit, and I feel pretty good at that. Well, David, that's going to do it. And thank you so much for your time and for being on the show. Please give us your website one more time when people can get your book before you sign off. Okay, so people can contact me on um, on my uh, on my website on on my email address uh, uh, David Sednary, so it's D A V I D S E D U N A R Y at BigPond dot com. They can email me. I can point them in the right direction to to get my book, uh, to purchase my book, and uh, but of course you can just type in "Struggling for Harmony with a Disabled Son." by David Sednery, and, uh, and it'll come up. Thank you, Bob, and thanks for having having me, and uh, and I hope all your listeners have um, got some positive uh, feedback uh, out of my interview. Thank you, Bob. Oh, you're welcome, David. It's been great. Merry Christmas, too. Merry Christmas to you, and um, I've been a uh, successful four year in 2017. Don't be Flamingo, you have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo, real lifters work their legs. That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on MindForceRadio.com. Please bookmark that website, MindForceRadio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for naturalstrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time.